Pepitone, and you're listening to NewDissidentRadio.com, which means you've been had, idiot. <laughs> this is Kelly Carlin, and welcome to Waking from the American Dream. What if I'd done what I said I would do? What if I spent less time just looking through? What if I'd gotten up early and gone back to school? Or spent each Sunday in the same big room? If I had one day, one day to live, I'd be on my way to the time that I'd given up to boredom and gain. If I had one day, I'd forget to blame. Be on my way to the times that I've given up for fiction and names If I had one day, just one day What if I'd gone where I said I would go? If I'd kept my word, would anyone know? Or if I'd gotten in early and answered the phone Or read through the chapters before on my own If I had one day one day to live I'd be on my way To the time that I'd given up To boredom and gain If I had one day I'd be the one to blame yeah, What can I say to the time Spent complaining just when things went my way If I had one day Just one day To act ever holds you back Then there is no help Or is it better to play it safe And spend the rest of your days asking Did I rob myself? Or is it better to fail As you probably will Like countless nameless did before Or worse yet, success Catastrophe at best Then no answer is ever only yours If I had one day, one day to live I'd be on my way To the time that I'd given up To boredom and gain If I had one day, I'd do it all the same yeah, What can I say to the times That I've given up for fiction and names If I had one day just one day, if I had one day, if I had one day, to the times that I've given up for fiction and names, if I had one day, just one day. That is uh, the fabulous Logan Heftel, who uh, I know because of my guest today, but who we'll get to in a second. Uh, but you can find Logan's stuff, I think, on iTunes, but you can definitely find him at www.loganloganheftel.com. Uh, just, I just love his energy and what he sings about and... He's a very kind soul, that one. Um, so I wanted to play that one today uh, because of uh, Taylor's here. And uh, also, I just, you know, this week has been an interesting week for me. This was the third anniversary of the death of my dad. And, uh, you know, anniversaries do weird things to you. A few weeks ago, I was like, oh, I'm fine with all of this. This is fine, really. It's, you know, I'm such a grown-up adult person. I don't need to. And, you know, of course, this Sunday, Monday came, and then it was like, oh, I guess I'm going down there. And uh, it's a good thing. It's a good thing to go down there. Oh, it's very good. You know? We have to walk with the grief at one point. Absolutely. Absolutely. And and, and it's, uh, you know, I was thinking about... Um, but remember, uh, he lives on YouTube. <laughs> <laughs> very few fathers live on YouTube. That, uh, see, <laughs> and that's part of the interesting process of grieving someone like my dad is that when my mom died, she died. She was really gone from the planet. I had like one answering machine message and her playing the piano went on a little tape that my dad had taped and, of course, pictures and a little bit of video. But every little bit of that was so precious. Um, 
And then, you know, then, there, and then there's my dad, who's uh, literally all over YouTube, which I, I have to tell people that will be ending soon. We'll be having our own YouTube channel, and you'll have to come to us for his videos. So there. Interesting. Yes, okay. yes. That was the way my dad wanted it. So we just kind of let it run rampant the last I, few I years. I would have liked it that, that available. No, no, no. He didn't like that kind of stuff. I, uh, I don't like that. Pull, Everybody's pull, too available. Pull your microphone a little closer oh, to your face. There you go. And uh, so, but I was thinking about the stages of grief. Uh, and I know I studied them because I have my master's in psychology and we did a little segment on that. But, uh, and I haven't written anything about this yet or even thought about it, but I'm thinking, I, I think we need to just do our own stages of grief. You need to figure out what your own stages are. Uh, because I believe when I wrote in my journal, uh, the first month after my dad died, I called the shock and awe month. Because you're literally in shock. Your ego mind cannot gronk the fact that someone was here one minute and then they're gone the next minute because that's just too fucking mind-boggling for the ego and too threatening. And then there was the awe part, which is, uh, which is that these amazing events and people came into my life the first month after my dad died. Uh, one of which I'm going to just tell a little bit here because it, it, it actually includes Taylor in the story today. Uh, so about a month after my dad died, he had, he had a written instructions that were about 10 or 15 years old by the time he died saying that, you know, uh, he wanted to be cremated and that his family would know what to do with his ashes. And it had said my wife and daughter, but my mom was gone. And so I took it upon myself because I knew exactly what my dad's ashes, where they needed to go. So my husband and I took them in an airplane across the country to New York City. And um, so the first night we get to New York, uh, we go to Comics, uh, which is a club in kind of the village kind of area. And um, I'm going backstage to meet Richard Belzer for the first time. I'd never, I'd know, I'd met, talked to him on the phone after my dad died, did not know him. And as I'm about to walk into the dressing room, Taylor Negron comes walking out. And Taylor and I had done a spoken word show here in L.A. at Pinata about six months before that. So we kind of knew each other. We'd been on the stage together and I was like, Oh my God, Taylor. Hi, hi, hi. I go backstage and it's, it's, uh, Belzer and a few other people. Gilbert Gottfried was back there, which, um, he asked me if I had any of my dad's ashes on me when I told him what I was doing in New York. And I suddenly got afraid that he was going to ask for some or something. Uh, so, the uh, the very next day, uh, Taylor and Logan, whose song uh, we started the thing was was doing. Uh, Taylor was doing his show with Logan. It's a, a one man, two man show, I guess you can call it, and it was called the Unbearable Lightness of Being. Uh, Taylor Negron. It's just an amazing show. And I'd never seen it. And my uncle had never seen it. My cousin. So we all went down to the village, and um, <clears throat> met down there to see the show. And and I remember at one point in the show, you have a line something about. What doesn't kill you makes you stronger, or some. Yeah, I think sometimes uh, when you get kicked into a new, new orbit, you're getting kicked home. That's it. And you and said it's that a, it's line. A, the kick is a shortcut. Yes, and you said that line, and I'm sitting there going, "He's he's he's talking to me. He's talking to me because I have been completely kicked into a new orbit." And so we went and saw the show, and the show was mind-boggling, mind-boggling, beautiful, and heart expanding and and just one of those amazing synchronistic moments and then we all went to have dinner at this really cool restaurant outdoors in the village in this in this open air thing and there's belzer with his dog and there's like 20 people at this table and we're all talking about writing and performing and music and food and i'm like sitting there going wow i've always wanted a community of people like this around me and artists and and I'd already taken the day before, or earlier in the day, uh, my uncle and my husband and cousin and I, we'd already taken part of my dad's ashes and put them up in the old neighborhood at 121st and uh, Riverside Drive near my dad's uh, old stomping ground where my dad used to smoke pot and get high when he was a kid. And we, you know, so we did a bunch of the neighborhood. So now I had a little bit of ashes. And so after dinner, myself and Belzer and Taylor and Logan and uh, Belzer's kids and a bunch of other artists and comedians and musicians, we all walked straight down Bleecker Street to the front of the Bitter End, where it was one of the places my dad had played as a young man in the early 60s at Hootenannies. 
And I took the ashes out, and we and there was a little tree, like you know, like that a tree grows in Brooklyn. Well, this was like a tree's barely growing on Bleecker Street. <laughs> it was the, I go by that tree all the time. I know it's the it was the sweetest little tree, right in front of a very nice roach coach. I might add, I believe the roach coach was open and selling t- something, and uh, we all took handfuls of ashes and and put them on this uh, around this tree on on Bleecker Street. So if you're ever down in the village. And want to visit my dad. He's uh, surrounding that little tree there, and it was just—it was an amazing evening because that, that was ginormous. It, it was. It was. It was just. Well, it was just so beautiful because I just spent the day in the neighborhood with all of my dad's friends from his childhood. So I had this kind of one version of my dad's New York, and then all of us as artists and performers in the village together. I mean, Logan was. Tw- was 21. Yeah, it was three years ago. Yeah, he yeah. was a, a child. 20 or 21. So <laughs> imagine being 21 and putting out Carlin's Ashes. Yeah. It, and me too. I mean, what a ginormous honor and privilege to uh, be part of hearing the clock tick. Y- yeah, yeah. And, and, and for me, it was something, I mean, what I said that night in front of that tree was something about beginnings, because this is where my father's beginnings were. And so I said, if you have a beginning that you're working on right now in your life in some way... Uh, let's honor it here right now with this sacred moment. And three years ago was certainly a beginning for me, a beginning of a whole new life. So anyway, I just wanted to to tell that 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 little bit of a vignette uh, because that's where Taylor and I really bonded. And then mm-hmm. we've we've been performing on and off uh, ever since here in Los Angeles. But it's interesting that night was almost like we became family. Yeah. And your uncle and your cousin. And, yeah. And then I realized that my father is from Morningside Heights. And wow. They're from the same street. Wow. Oh, it's amazing. Yeah. And it was very much like that. I mean, family is, I mean, that's what Belzer said to me was, you know, you're now a part of my family. And you're it, the sister I never needed. <laughs> I, have three, I have many sisters I don't need. <laughs> Taylor and I, about a year and a half ago, Taylor did a uh, Christmas show. And invited me to come along because we were doing, and we'll talk a little bit about the subject matter, Hollywood Gothic stories of Christmas. And uh, you and I spent the day together uh, working on that stuff. And I thought to myself, I have just found the equivalent of the other side of my conscious unconscious brain. I mean, you and I, by the end of the day, we're finishing each other's sentences yeah. and... Uh, well, we have a very similar story, and we come from the similar time. Y- yes, we do. You're a few, you're a couple of years older than me, and you were born out here where I wasn't. I got out here when I was about three, which is pretty much my first conscious memories, anyway. And uh, well, people keep the fr- the hairdo they had when they had their first orgasm, so I know a lot about you. <laughs> oh well, I I and I, now I'm confused about you because you have shaved your head, I so know, I don't I, know what's I know. I'm going clean on. Clean in the in, in the county of Los Angeles. <laughs> This comedian is clean. <laughs> no, I shaved my head. I don't know. No, you know what? We, um, but we shared that time. There's like, you know, tribes of people. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, we, when you grew up here, on, you grew up in Glendale. Yeah, but I mean, I mean. But I not think, really. You were. Well, I, mean, I mean, I grew up in Hollywood and Glendale, yeah. Malibu. But, but, but the thing is, it's that we grew up in white USA 70s. Yes. We grew up in Cassavetes. Yes. I grew up in Ally McGraw culture. Yes. In fact, I went to high school with Zan Cassavetes. I know. I, I know. <laughs> but you see that world, and, yeah. and, and, and it's, it's difficult. Yeah. Well, it, yeah, let's talk about that. How, what was that like for you? I mean, did you know at a young age that you were going to be part of this culture, that you were going to immerse yourself in the performing arts? Uh, no, because, I, I mean, I grew up really more like in the 50s. Mm-hmm. I was uh, remember you know when people ironed their drapes <laughs> yes. and men wore or had lo- or had black maids who did that for them. No, no, no. I mean, my grandmother ironed her sheets I, wow. I, and and her drapes. Wow. I, I helped her. There wow. was no maid, and 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 there were people that were. Uh, it was a cleaner world, mm-hmm. a more uptight world. It was a, the world that your father blew up, but yeah. I was a baby in it. Yeah. So there was great order. I just remember that the rhythm of the world is a dial phone. Mm-hmm. So uh, th- th- when you had a nine or a zero, that was like, oh, I can't believe it's going to happen. I have to do a nine. <laughs> but, so that's the generation that we're from. Yeah. There's a whole generation of people that they don't know that. No. I, I'm kind of, you know, I hate to be like a middle-aged person, but I am because I'm lamenting that old dial phone, that there was this way in which you had to take so much more time to to do anything and it and it gave you space 
to be in in such a different way. But you can still do that. I mean, if you control it. That this is true, but you have to make a conscious choice I, now. My car is being detailed by this guy Harry in the Valley. It's taking uh, five weeks mm-hmm. to have the car washed. <laughs> I mean, this is, the, this is the reality I live in. I make grab locks just to kick back. No, I mean, so I said, I've done it. It's two thousand dollars for the car enterprise. I said, forget it. I'm, I'm, I won't have a car next week. Right. So if anybody wants to come and take me to Gelato, <laughs> take me out. Or funnel cakes or something. I think there's the funnel cake. On Facebook, I put that one. That's I nice. said, I have no car. I need help. And I got a lot of hits. <laughs> <laughs> I'd like to get hit on Facebook. No one ever. People are like, could you please? They, yeah. <laughs> no one ever says, can I you know, grab you by your face and, and just lick you? No one on Facebook has ever said No, that. they have that poke thing, but they don't have grab you by your face and lick you on Facebook. <laughs> That's what I'm talking about now in my show. Is like, you know, if when you fr- friend request somebody physically. Right. <laughs> I mean, in the old days, that's how it was. I used to live here. I used to hitchhike. But I mean, that kind of, what I'm saying, in that envelope of time, there was, it was possibility. Yeah. So if you ask me if I ever thought I'd be in show business, no, I just thought I would be part of that that normal world that blew up in 1968 when everybody got killed and then people parted their hair in the middle. <laughs> <laughs> Why is everybody like Bonnie and Clyde now? Why is suddenly everyone parting their hair Why in the middle? Why is even Marlo Thomas is parting what? her hair in the middle? These are, the times are changing. They, they are. And the, and the parts are changing. But I grew up in a world where my parents had us um, clothes made for us. Wow. And they had clothes made. Wow, yeah. And we'd go on vacations. We had everything matching. So we were like more of like the Kennedy key. Yeah. So, Matt, yeah, well, I, I, I remember dressing for Easter. My mother and I would get matching outfits for Easter. Not that we ever went to church in my house. But for mm-hmm. some reason, uh, Easter and Christmas, big time in the Carlin family. Because my mom loved holidays. But yeah, I have pictures of us all, like hats and white gloves my, and such. My mom said that you had to go on this plane in spectator shoes. Oh, wow. Yeah, go, traveling on the plane. Yeah. That was like, you got dressed to do that because yeah. it was a fancy schmancy thing. Everything was fancy. Yeah, everything was. But so, so, it's, so now you have to make it fancy on your own. I mean, like now when I go out, because I'm, I'm of a certain age, I'm 31. <laughs> I, you, and now you that I'm 31, I, when I go to Trader Joe's, I'm not going to go looking at wearing flip-flops that were boiled in human oil. <laughs> What's with the flip-flop? You know what? It's, it's funny. I, I, and this is so true. When I do make an effort, I feel better. And yet I, my whole life, and I think because, you know, I have memories of doing the whole white gloves and all of that. But most of my life was, you know, jeans and T-shirts, which, yeah. by the way, I'm wearing today. Jeans and T-shirts. It's, it's basically what, what I look like. But they're all from Fred Siegel. Yeah. No, actually, this is KCRW. I, Fred Siegel. One time I went in there, and there were jeans that were $600. Oh, I went in there the other day. Denim jeans. And I said to the lady, with a total straight face, I'm sorry, what are these made out of? Mm. And she said, cotton. And I went, okay, then. All right. I went there the other day. I was having a nervous breakdown because I had to do red carpet for that thing on Spike TV. Yes. And I said, I'm dressed like so, I felt so 90, yes. 1990. Yes. I was like fresh off Ferris Bueller's <laughs> float. And I went and I went, I smoked a joint and I went to Fred Siegel's, had coffee, and I just walked in there like that little boy from Vietnam. And I went, I'm doing red carpet. Help. Help me. And you know what? They, they, they dressed me. Oh, and yeah. I was out of there in five minutes. Oh, yeah. But you know what? But I still look the same. <laughs> I didn't have dust on me. <laughs> yes. And I was on with De Niro and Sean Penn and all those guys from Fast Times. And they all looked um, like they were ni- 1990 to 1997. Yeah, because they, you know, they can. Hideously meet the fuckers. Um, yes. Uh, speaking of which, so you did the Spike TV thing. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> yeah, we were in the inaugurated into the Hall of Fame. Fast Times the f- at Ridgemont. The cast of Fast Times. And- and I did not see the tell of the televised version of this. This has been on yet. Was it live? Yeah, it was on last week. Um, did, and then, and, and did you deliver a pizza? Is the question? No, oh. no, no, no. I, I, I stood there and got the award. You know, like Amy Heckling and I. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. And Brian Backer and, and Forrest Whitaker and Sean Penn. That's amazing. And we had to sit there and you know and, and hear De Niro say, you know, you are iconic. That's wild. It was wild. That is so. Wild. And I'm like going, wow. He was in the Taxi Driver. <laughs> it's so meta. It was very meta, and then I, and then I, and then it, because every day of my life, and this is the truth, people will go, "Hey, you're the guy who delivered the pizza," mm-hmm. and I walked out there in front of all those people, like the Oscars or the Emmys, and I said, "Without me, there'd be no Sean Penn." 
<laughs> I was you know, doing the Sunset Boulevard thing. Nice. De Niro looked at me like, well, who the fuck is this? <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it is meta. It is meta. That, I see, I love old enough to appreciate meta. Yeah, absolutely. I well, mean, I think after a while in this town, everything becomes meta because it's just, it becomes a, a kind of a, a reflection of a reflection of a reflection. And, and there's nothing, certainly very little original left in this city. And what is original is so precious. And so, I, I mean, I was, I was driving up here and had to drop my husband off at uh, right across from CBS, a friend's house. And I was thinking about uh, the old Beverly Land Park that used to be there. I don't know if you know about the pony this. ride. Yes, yeah. the pony rides. And there were hell, it was like little uh, Ferris wheel. It was in the middle of the city. And, I, With an oil derrick. Yes. That smelled like oil. Well, there, and because there were oil derricks all over L.A. And, and when I lived in Venice as a child in 1971-72, the peninsula of Venice, which is now the, you know, the alphabet streets, those were all oil derricks. There was no condominiums down there. There was no... It'll go back to that. There was no yuppies. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, no, it'll go back to that. I think that the Hollywood will become a storage center. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, go, it's more money to have, be a, have a storage center than have a city. It is. It's a storage center for egos. But this is, you have to admit, Kelly Carlin, and your George was here right now, this is a fun time. Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I mean, said Tatum O'Neill. I know. Kathy I know, Griffin. I know. Anthony Weiner. I mean, these, these are the times that the Carly Simon is, talked about. This is the... <laughs> You're so vain. <laughs> well, yeah, and I even said it today on the fa- my Facebook page. Uh, th- this is the front row of the freak show. I mean, this is it. This is, it's exciting times. You it's know. very exciting times. And also, heroes are being better. Yes. You know, I mean, if for the sake of conversation, look at Michelle Bachman. <laughs> She's like, got like 29 children. She's like a, a teabag Mia Farrow. She's, uh, which you, is, which I think they're both equally crazy, but I, I, I don't know about that. I, oh, in, in their Farrow? own way, yes. Mia and, and Michelle. Oh, well, yeah. It's like, it, it's like, and Kirstie Alley. Yeah. How, much, how, how big is a hole? <laughs> I have no hole. Yeah. I can have like a beat and I'm fine. Just give me a beat. <laughs> beat and some flat water. An artisanal beat. An artisanal beat. <laughs> I went to the farmer's market. I go, do you have any sweet basil? <laughs> the guy goes, basil. You said, it, you said another word the other day that was funny. It was cracking me up. I can't remember how you're pronouncing it funny. You make me laugh. I think, I'm from, I, I, think I speak Lemurian or something. <laughs> I, think, I, I think that's, you know, you should bring Lemurian back. It's been Lemur- way well, too long. Well, this is the show, you know, the, the Mayan countdown. I'm working with that. A lot of people on the Mayan calendar and about, you know, each part of the Mayan calendar is 219,000 years old. Right. Takes, but right now we are in the third night of it. That's why things are speeding up so crazy right now. Yeah. But whatever is inauthentic, like bad ethics, will fall away. Well, I, I, I hope so. And I hope it, it'll leave some of us standing before it falls away. Because it, well, it'll fall away. But, I mean, it, it, there'll be definitely will be standing. But we now we'll know what yeah. the banks did. Yeah. Well, I was, it's, you know, I was just listening on the way here to uh, the Miss USA contestants. Yes. Did, did you talk about evolution? Every single one of them was not quite sure if evolution should be taught in school. And I was thinking about how 20 years Ms. ago. Miss California was pretty open-minded. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She, there was a couple who were, but they still. I liked her impersonation of a siren. They were still hedging, though. Which is, and then I like when they say something like, which is, this really shows you how much. The Christian right has taken over the conversation is many of them said, well, I think it should be taught, but I think both sides need to be taught. And I'm thinking, oh, so there's only two sides, evolution and the Christian view. Never mind what the Hindus think about the beginning of the world or the but Navajos but think about the beginning or the to, Mayans. It's up to us. Yeah. Individually. Yes. Like we live in a post-Oprah world. How do you not know that you can't go to fast food? Right. Why is it even in the lexicon? Why is it go? Oh, I went to fast. You went to fast food. Right. Like you went and hit a Somali girl. You flew to Somalia and hit a girl. Right. That's the equivalent of me going to fast food because it depletes its petroleum products. It's the worst. But but see, the, how do you not know that? Pe- Google meat. Pe- <laughs> and if you see me, well, well, I want money. I want money. I was thinking, if you Google meat, you're you're. You go- it's going to be Google interesting. Google meat. <laughs> Talk about dissonant radio. <laughs> um, but see, the scary thing, though, is that you say, how do you know, how do you not know to go to fast food? But the thing is that 
I guarantee you 80% of the population of America did not know these I, things. I don't know how this happened. And, I, well, and I, it, and you know. But not everybody. You can't generalize. I mean, there is always going to be some no. lesbian couple that are very happy with their own children. <laughs> Nothing worse than a, a lesbian divorce. Huh? <laughs> it gets very nasty. Oh, my God. I've been thrown out of so many gay, out of lesbian bars because I was just a witness. <laughs> I used to live right around the corner on Les Rock Hill. <laughs> right around the corner from here with my, the sister I never needed, Julie Cipher. Right. The sister I never needed, Melissa Etheridge. And then, of course, the sister that never really acknowledged me, Katie Lang. <gasps> she never acknowledged you. I think she was frightened. Oh. Because I was just, because I, I, my bedroom was too close to her. So. Oh, okay. Well, no. It's... I had never heard anything like that. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I know why Catherine's upset. Well, I'm it's, sorry, all that, Kelly. it's all that constant craving. Yeah, no, yeah. <laughs> sorry, I had to go there too. No, I mean it's 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 a really. I think I'm optimistic about things. I really, really am. If we could just keep the middle class going. Yes. Well, I, this is true. I mean, I really do believe that. I don't think there's going to be some sort of miraculous like awakening, and people are going to suddenly go, "Oh, look at all the hypocrisy." But I think it's going to start to become pretty obvious to the people who've been voting against their economic interest for yeah. the last 15 or however many years, 20 years, that, no, these people really are fucking with you. Yeah. And they really, really do not give a shit at all. And I think when that happens, there will be, like, the next French Revolution. Heads will roll, and it's, it's going to be that, interesting. I just hope that people have enough energy for revolution. <laughs> yes. after the third day when the English muffins are gone, <laughs> they're going to be like, where are the English muffins? I, well, no. To go out and burn the castle. What do you mean McDonald's is closed? No, but seriously. Yeah, I, I mean, yeah. I live in France. I know about French Revolution. Yeah. You try ordering at, in, in France and trying to get your like, oysters within an hour. <laughs> and they don't come and they hate you because you're American. That's a French Revolution. I went to trip to guy. I said, give me, give me my wheat. <laughs> no, but I mean, have, have you ever cut down a tree? Yeah, well, I, I think about this all the time. I think about, God, you know, I really should learn how to grow something. L- learn how to cut a tree down. I, uh, I learn more about life cutting a tree down and making firewood than any, a- anything. See, now, Bob, my husband, he can do that. Well, it's we, a lot of work. We go camping. So, we, you know, we do have the camping thing. I, I, I am comfortable with the camping thing. I think it's going to be a grassroots revolution and not a bloody one. I think people are going to go, okay, who's going to go take care of old man, you know, grandpa yeah. now? And who's going to go make sure the baby's okay and make sure that the squirrels didn't get in? You know, it's like we're going to like have to take care of each other now. Yeah, yeah. And, 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 and the interesting thing about, I think, Facebook and Twitter and all that fascinating social media is that we are, we are conglomerating back together we are coming together Absolutely. as communities and we're finding ways to find each other and there is discussion and Des- there is things going on like despite that. the fact they wanted us alone and isolated and scared yes they wanted us to be scared with our children in those rooms with those fluorescent lights that have curly cues yes absolutely and but instead i feel very subversive about facebook and all of that because i like you're one of them there are people there that are like my soul people yeah yeah i don't I never met them but i know about them and i care about them yeah yeah abs- absolutely and and it's like i you know we we would fight for the death for each other you know there's Cy- in like, cyber wise in but, c- yeah. <laughs> exactly but yeah. will we go to their event <laughs> that's the that's the sad part I can't go. I'm, I'm, you can't I work go every, to every. I know. I work every night. I, I, I mean, I am the event every night. I know. I I, have I get the same updated thing. on my phone that I'm performing. I'm like, what? The it's frightening. It's like you know how hard it is to be Judy Garland. <laughs> <laughs> mm. I'm, I'm telling you, I got to take take some time off. You do. Yeah, because it's uh, with Logan and I are doing the show again, mm-hmm. and we're right. There's so much to be written. Yeah. Like I'm learning about the megahertz around the planet. Yes. This is too high. We're at a high. The frequency is too high. Yes. And every TV that goes into every television, if it's false, not matched, it can mm. create electronic chaos. Mm. So on that level, I mean, that would be a good job for us. Mm-hmm. We're, we're going to check the chaos in your house. <laughs> Excuse me. Yeah. But first, I'd like to do this dance. Chaos Patrol From the here. film Cabaret. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. I check for chaos. Welcome. I, I like that. I check for chaos. I check for chaos. I'm trying to figure out a job for myself yeah. you know, in case it all goes south. Yeah. You know, I think... A I real could, job. Like, I could be a nurse practitioner. Uh, abso- absolutely. I mean, that's it's why I got my master's in psychology, because it's like, you know, no matter what, people are going to need mental health. 
<laughs> and I can and I can provide it. During the big earthquake in '94, the uh, armoire fell on my neighbor. Mm-hmm. I didn't know who she was. I went in there. I tried to help her, and when I pulled her out and axed the whole thing, she said, "No, I want to stay there." I go, "I just got you out of this fallen, crushed building. Now get out." And then my neighbor said, "Oh, she's insane." <laughs> <laughs> oh, she's insane. Leave her under the armoire in the rubble. Okay. <laughs> okay, I'm backing away slowly. I'm backing away, and I'm going to blow out that candle now. <laughs> but I will be checking for chaos over there. <laughs> I think Christopher Esherwood, the great writer who I had the privilege of knowing, said that um, one day his house caught on fire. Mm-hmm. And he came home and he said, you know, I, I found myself <coughs> rooting for the fire. <laughs> well, you know, it's... People it's, are rooting for the fire. Not good. Well, you know, it's, it's an interesting... Th- Interesting point you, you bring up. My dad used to root for the fire. He, he, I know he, 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 he roots for the cows, and I I get that on some level. Uh, some part of me <coughs> used to root for it too. And I have to tell you, until the uh, earthquake and tsunami happened, and I was awake in the middle of the night, like many people were, and watched that fucking tsunami <coughs> come in live, and I literally had PTSD. I mean, let alone the people who fucking lived through that shit. I merely just watched it live on television. I had PTSD for the next two weeks uh, from it. it. I was my whole neurology got changed sure. by seeing it, and that's when I got. That's when some part of me went, "Oh no, this planet. She's pissed. Shit's going on. Uh, she's trying to regulate, Kelly, Kelly. and it and it's gonna get it's gonna get Kelly. really scary." Okay, here's my big tsunami story. This is the big tsunami. This is bigger than Meredith Baxter Bernie. Okay, <laughs> when they go to the, the tsunami town, and there are these granite posts that are four thousand years old, and they're sticking out of the ground, mm-hmm. and it says, "Whatever you do, do right. never build anything here." Right, because every one hundred and fifty years, a massive gut-leveling tsunami that will take fashion models away right. <laughs> will come. So they knew. Yes. Of course. Yeah, yes. And that's, this is human hubris. This so, is yeah, what we so do. But so it isn't Mother Nature. I think it's just, you know what? We should be living... They should be living in Fullerton. Well, <laughs> I suppose, if, if you don't mind living off the 90, but... Uh, <laughs> I think they should move Bali to Fullerton. But, but here, here's the thing. I mean, it's not so much... Mother Nature, but you know the 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 climate is everything is shifting, and I think we're just because we're so connected by TV now that we see immediately the results and the effects of these yeah. things, and we're left inert. We uh, are completely and completely handless. Yes, yes. That's why the people who are so heroic are the ones that are out there doing stuff with their hands. Yeah, I I totally agree. People who I, I you know I try to I try to read stuff online and. And through different organizations I connect to about people who actually are getting shit done on this planet. And there's, a, there's plenty of them, you know people. What? Plenty of get, them. Not only do I get a lot done, I also have been asking my, uh, the universe, it sounds crazy, but like whenever it needs me wherever I'm at. Right. And I donate like maybe five or six hours a week. Yeah. And it's to strangers, but I will swoop down like an angel. Yeah. An angel meaning like truly, I'll go, no, I'm t- I'll drive you, I'll drive you, here's the money, mm-hmm. let's just do it now. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, and, and I received, I mean, I never even really mentioned it. It's a new thing I've been doing. But it's, it's really fun because at the end they go, like this one lady said, you're like a Boy Scout. Hmm. And I thought, that what a nice, and, I, and, I, and now I'm empowered that I walk around like I should have a flashlight or something <laughs> and a clock radio. <laughs> and a compass. Yeah. And at, at, a, at a two-story tent that cost $999,000 below <laughs> Doheny. <laughs> Below Doheny. Below Doheny, because I don't want to be above sunset. No, okay? you don't. I'm, I'm, I'm selling my house right now. It's below Doheny. Is I mean, it? it's below sunset. It's, I, I, I'm giving. I lived in Judy Garland's house. I know. So I, now I'm selling it. Wow. And letting it go because it doesn't function anymore. It became dysfunctional. Mm. And the, the the American dream is that I'm going to have that house and then I'm going to have wheelchair access. Right. And then what? I'm going to go in there and get an iron lung. Is that what is that was waiting for me? <laughs> That's the new American Below the whiskey. Dream. I'm going to be in an iron lung below the whiskey. <laughs> but it's like, it go, part of it is like... Oh, the, we could wheel you up to see some yeah. bands well, on a Saturday night. I was a go-go night. boy. One last iron lung go-go dance. Yes. He really is, he really is doing the pony right yeah. now inside yeah. of it. You They're just can't see him. tipping the mirror up. <laughs> oh, that's so funny. Huh? We used to have a, a person that lived in an iron lung when I was a kid in Pasadena. And when we walked across, we were... We didn't want to go on her block. I could understand. And we called it Block Lunga. We called her Iron Lunga. But that was Black Lunga. Children are so sweet. Very nice children. <laughs> we were God's children. But, you know, and you think at that age that it's, it's catchable. Well, and, and 
and some some things are catchable. But you think like, oh, if I go near on the block where the where the the iron lung yeah. is, that I may then have to be in an iron lung. I know, isn't that wild? Yeah, and I you just... have to walk backwards and all of that. <laughs> yes. I mean, kind of. I wish I I wish I had more time to be OCD. <laughs> I mean, I, I would love to walk backwards and lick like you know license plates <laughs> and count on my fingers over and, and over again. Like Mary Lou Henner with that <laughs> incredible biographical superior memory. Oh, I know those people that know every day of their life. It's freaky. I, you know, now that my hormones are shifting, I'm lucky if I can remember what the fuck I said ten minutes ago. Okay, I can pretty much remember everything. God, I can't. I, I, I'm hoping it comes back. I guess my long term memory is getting better, but and my short term memory a little is a little better. But right after the last, the first two years after my dad died, I think it was partly that too. Literally, if I did not, if someone said something to me like, "Oh, you have to do this at three o'clock," if I did not write it down, it was gone, completely gone out of my conscious mind. No, you need to write it down when you're at past thirty-one. Past thirty-one, and when you're multitasking like a motherfucker. Well, we all multitask. I, I've given up multitask, and I and I take naps now. Today, I watched Burns and Allen as my preparation to come here. <laughs> On Antenna TV. I mean, I really... And I watch Father's... I DVR Father Knows Best. Oh. What is that about? Oh. Instead of ancient aliens, I'm donating Bud and Kitten. Oh, I but love that. But it's peaceful. It is. It is. I have a sandwich and watch Father Knows Best. <laughs> I don't want to watch the taxi driver anymore. I have been watching Chad and O'Neill and Ryan. I'm on Ryan's team. You know, uh, oh. I'm on Team Ryan. I, sorry. Claudia Lanau is on on uh, Tad's team. I have I have real life some real life encounters with those people, so I don't. I'm staying out of it. I know I'm gonna stay out. But I did do a movie with. Ryan. I think you know what I think I'm on Griffin's team, and Griffin's team is Griffin's s- mad. Stay away from all of them because they're all crazy. I know, but how can you not stay away from your parents? Uh, look how lucky you are. I don't know when they when they aim a gun at you and try to kill you. Your father made you look at the sun. <laughs> That's when I met Kelly. I didn't. I didn't know who her father was, and she read this essay about we were in Hawaii, and my father said, "Look at the sun." He thought it was had exploded. It was. He was up a lot. I mean that that, that alone is just you know that Ryan O'Neill times a thousand. Uh, no, sorry. No, I mean Ryan O'Neill was had a bad temper. Your father didn't have a bad. Yeah, temper. thank God. Yeah, my dad never threw me across rooms and through play glass but, windows and things like that. But what George Carlin did, and what what you do, what we all do, I, I admire all of us. All the comics are, you know, we have no respect. We don't have dressing rooms. We have to sit in a, in a car before we go on. It's, it's, it's so depressing. I mean, I'm fine with it, but I feel bad for, like, the young girls, you know? I, you know what? Where was I lately? I was somewhere, uh, some spoken word thing, and it was, it was, it was a, a green room of something. And You're I sitting thought, on an ice machine. And I thought to myself... Wow, this is this is glamorous. This is really depressing. <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. Just the, remember to go on stage and give give your heart to the audience because backstage is not where it's at. Well, I just directed this show called "Who Loves You, Baby," which is a musical salute to Telly Savalas. Yes, and 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 the great beauty is in this show with this guy Tom Demena who plays. I've seen Telly. a little bit of his stuff. Y- He's yeah, great. I mean, he goes there. He plays that Greek man, mm-hmm. and I think theater. And comedy, comedy is the last place where you actually can be human mm-hmm. and vulnerable. Yeah. You know, I mean, I come from that, alter- that alternative, what they used to call alternative. Do they even have that anymore, alternative? No. I think it's all, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's all, all now. I, everybody's kind of not funny. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone's doing tragic stories from their childhood. Yeah, I, that's right. Everybody, yeah, that was it. But I was Janine Garofalo and, and Margaret, and we all started that. At the right, movie, with Beth Lapidus. At the Uncabaret. Yes, the Uncabaret. And it, and it was all about, like, the, they'd say the tailor, you... You have to talk more about your reality and, and your feelings. Well, and but I but I have to you know I just I had an aha moment about this because uh, my dad and I had a little difference of opinion about these things you know because I do what you do we tell autobiographical stories and you did more stand up in your well past. I mushed mine around and you mushed yours around and then these days I mean you you know you you take us to some amazing uh, you're a metaphysical experience Taylor when people see you you are in- incredible and and uh, you I know, read a lot. Well, I obviously, and, I and you books. think a lot. I mean, and this is the thing about it is like, I, I really see that even though I talk about my own life and I talk about my past a lot and stuff, I'm, I'm trying to work it out. I'm trying, I'm thinking, I'm gronking, I'm trying to work it out. I'm trying to figure it all out, how this human shit works. And, and I think that's, that is the thing about comedians also is they're just up there trying to, f- they're saying, this is what's going on in my head. And this is what I'm thinking about. And this is how I see it but right comedians now. Comedians are really super calculated and really smart. Well, yeah. And, and as smart people in the culture generally, like they, they, people hold them with great suspicion because they're going to be like, what people come up. I mean, I, I look smart. People go like, what do you want? Yeah. Like a, a king size towel. <laughs> I'm here to get a towel. 
I mean, this is Bed Bath and Beyond. And imagine- I'm, I'm in the Beyond section. Give me. A, people like they were like, "Can I help you?" Yeah. <laughs> my husband calls it Bed Bath in Beijing because oh everything God. there is made in China. I, it's awful. Find something that was made in America at Bed Bath and Beyond. I mean, Beyond, how could please. we have done? You see, we have to have some responsibility for what we did. Well, hello, yes. It is I- so unfair. That is the most un-American, unpatriotic horrible thing that we did. I'm really hoping that we actually start to make things again in this country. Well, we could start. We all watch the movie Ghost and then start making pots. <laughs> that's, that's my big offering today. I'm calling the president right now with that. I'm calling the president. Poor Obama. He's in trouble. I know he's in trouble. He's pissing he's only, everybody off. He's, but you know what? See, this is what I like about him, that he pisses everyone off. Yeah, I, I, never, I think everyone needs to be pissed off. He's making everybody happy. <laughs> everyone's mad at him he's and dancing. everyone's happy he's at the same dancing time. like in those old 1930 movies. And yet we're still not talking to each other in this country. It's, it's fascinating to me. And Michelle Bachman is really going to run for president. And people, be careful. This woman is going to get votes. It is going to be really, really interesting. I was Read, read the Matt Taibbi piece in the Rolling Stone this week that he, he did a whole piece about Michelle Bachman. He says, take this lady seriously. She does not pretend to be, she's, she's a gronker, she thinks, and yet she's a total right-wing evangelical Christian. The husband is very suspicious. And she really, really believes that, you know, this shit. And it's scary. And, and she's going to... But believing it and making it law, really, <clears throat> it's two different things. It's going to be really hard for her to... And, and, and we say that. And, you know, the Texas Board of Textbooks, you know, was, you know, fucks with the textbooks every year. You yeah. know, I mean, it's like they were... See, the right was really smart 30, 30 years ago when Nixon and all that stuff went down or 40 years ago. They started getting that if they can start implementing things locally and start taking over local school boards... Local zoning, all that kind of stuff, they can start to have an impact there. They're going to start shifting the culture. And that's what they have done. And that's why this country is not educated anymore. And that's why almost every single Miss USA contestant believes that, well, you know, evolution is just a theory. Well, it's one of those theories like gravity. Yeah, no, I know. <laughs> Which is not, it's not about a belief in, it's, it's based on, you know, provable fact type of thing. But remember, th- these are long commercials for Las Vegas. <laughs> All that we just saw was yes. very cunning advertising for Las Vegas. Yes. Because then the people will oh, go, oh, we'll go to Vegas, maybe we can meet loser, Miss Loser Mississippi. Yes. That'd be, that'd be a hot conquest. Yes. Well, see, and, th- and that's the thing, is that it's like, we don't really want to have to get the ba- Solve it all. What the is Vedic gonna- scriptures teach us that there are you know, four things. Eating, sleeping, mating, and defending. Right. And those are the, what really the world is about. Eating, sleeping, mating, and defending. Mm-hmm. All, all the stuff. And then only a handful of people really care about... The rest of the stuff. Well, the bigger picture. Right. You know, the big questions. Like how, do, yeah, how, do we feed the, how do we make sure that there's less children in the schoolrooms? Right. How do we figure it out that it's not cool to exploit young people? All, all that stuff, and having been exploited, and having you know all you know being a comic and having to sit in an ice bucket for my whole life, <laughs> um, I'm a disenfranchised person. So my heart goes out to others, and I can understand what it's like um, to be without and to be angry. Well, I, I think that has to do with the power of empathy and the ability to be empathic and to connect with other Where people. Where does that come from, though? And and that this is this see this is a great thing. Is like you know you said there's eating, sleeping. Mating and defending. Uh, mating and defending, and yet the empathy empathy helps the world, uh, you know, uh, move to a higher level. It than also that. helps mating. Well, yes, hello. <laughs> uh, I'm going to lay on you now. <laughs> but I'm empathetic about where it I'll feels be very good empathetic. and I'm where going it to doesn't. Ask you, you have two choices. <laughs> where the laying should begin. <laughs> So I think empathy, there's a great book called The Empathic Civilization. It was out uh, last year, and I'm totally spacing on the name of the author right now. Big, thick tome of a book. Uh, uh, And Ariana talked about it. Uh, But it really is, it's like, if, if people can start to reconnect and have empathy for people who do not look like them, or aren't shaped like them, or aren't from the same country, or aren't from the same... Uh, you know, religion or anything like that, then we have a chance. Then we have a chance, I believe. Do you know that Anna Devera Smith, I auditioned. I love her. I know, I worked with her on this house arrest. And she gave me these tapes to listen to this one woman. Pema Chodron? 
No, and I had to learn it. And mm. it was Ariana Huffington. Oh, was it? And, and she, talk, she talks about it. She says... Um, that that it's, oh, that 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 it's, that it's that's the fourth instinct that that, yes. that 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 is the instinct of empathy and kindness. Yes. But that if you don't honor that, then yes. you pay a heavy price. This that, the culture. Well, look at it now. We people. Well, if you don't if you don't honor empathy, if you don't honor, you know, there was a homeless guy last night, and he 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 he, he was black. He was like that guy Gary Sinise in Forrest Gump. Mm-hmm. He rolled by mm-hmm. and told a woman, Telly Savalas' sister. To get the fuck out of his way, whore. Mm. And then he he rolled on by. He was very upset. <laughs> and everybody just saw. He was screaming. He was so mean and so mm. nasty. And you know, I what do you say? You just go, God, I'm sorry. Yeah. But the guy who was photographing the show last night, he said, "I'll mess you up so bad, and I'll throw you in front of a bus." Wow. And and Telly Savalas' sister was like, "Whoa, what is that?" And it became this real weird thing. Mm. Like, could you imagine? Mm. Taking a, a guy who had no legs and throwing him in front of the bus and mm. go there. Yeah. But that almost happened last night. Yeah, yeah. So what kind of empathy is that? And, and, and in a weird way, a rooting for the fire, go, you know what? I didn't appreciate him calling me. He called me things I won't even say on the radio. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure it was very unpleasant. It was, it was shocking. And I was with these, the Savala's family. Yeah. You know, it was Telly's family. Crazy. <laughs> what am I doing? They're such nice people. Oh, we only have a few minutes left. I cannot believe this. It's so mean. Well, I mean, this it's, it, world is this so is a, you know, but this is so part of the change, what you're doing, uh, having this conversation. Well, you know. I, it's not glib. Right. It's about something. It's, it has shadow. It has texture. It's good. <sighs> people, people, people should not be afraid of that. Well, amen to that. Yeah, turn the TV off. Turn the radio off. Do we have to hear the same song now for 20 years? <laughs> Wherever you go, it's like 10 in the morning. Turn it off. Uh, you know, it's so interesting how your mind gets uh, kind of addicted. The wiring gets addicted to the noise. And uh, when you do turn it off, how it's like there's an echo inside of your body for a little while. If, if anyone's ever been on a silent uh, Zen retreat or anything like that, and sometimes it takes two to three days to really like unwire your body from the frequencies of all of this that's going well, on. Well, in France, you know, we live in France and uh, we live on the river and... After three days, you go slack jaw. Yeah. The actual tension that we carry in our face. Oh, God, I can just feel it right now. And Absolutely. all of a sudden, and then I look, I look like, you know, Gomer Pyle. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's the story of my life, Gomer Pyle in France. Hi, where's <laughs> I am being in your pickles? You're just a mean old bar, Andy. Okay, we have to end here. Taylor, thank you so much for coming by. It was a great pleasure, and thank uh, you for asking. Everyone, uh, you can... Uh, Taylor, are you you're, are you traveling with this show that you're doing? No, but I could promote my my paintings. Uh, yes, uh, uh, I just there was a nice write up in the Huffington Post about my work. I, I have a, a painting, uh, my series oil paints, and it's at the Hotel de Ville. We're having a big party on July first, a, a, a gallery opening. Oh, beautiful! For my painting. Well, and Taylor is a multi multi talented oil on board, am- very profound, amazing painter, also as well as writer and singer and songwriter. Now, and each painting is forty million. <laughs> <laughs> and someday he'll be very rich yeah, if he can just sell this, one. Yeah, we could rent one. <laughs> All right, everyone, thank you so much for listening in. Uh, uh, next week, I've got a gentleman. His name's Carter Phipps. He was on one of my earlier shows just for a few minutes. He's the executive editor of a magazine called Enlighten Next. We're going to talk about evolutionary enlightenment and the evolution of consciousness. Is it real? Is it happening? What does it mean? How can you evolve your own consciousness? And is, will it give us more empathy on the planet? Hopefully it will. Uh, we're going to end today with something that I've played here before, certainly, but since it was my dad's anniversary of his death, um, I sometimes just play this because I need to remember that everything is going to be okay anyway. This is a weird little uh, recording that someone sent me of my dad from the 70s. Enjoy. Everything is okay anyway. Everything is okay anyway. Well, if the sun comes out each day, everything must be okay. Yes, everything is okay anyway. If all we ever had was total war And peace and love and giving were a bore What if we cried and died all day You could still hear someone say That everything is okay anyway Volcanoes, earthquakes, floods and tidal waves 
and man is forced to live again in caves. But if all we had was fire, you'd still hear the caveman choir singing, everything is okay anyway. Yes, everything is okay anyway. Everything is okay anyway. Well, if kids come out to play, everything must be okay. Yeah, everything is okay anyway. If no one was allowed to jump or run, if no one was permitted to have fun, and if it rained hard every day, you still hear someone say that everything is okay anyway. Everything is okay anyway. Everything is okay anyway. Well, if you do not miss your pay, if you hear what I will say, you will know that on this day, I have seen a little ray of forgetfulness. Dissident Radio. New Dissident Radio. On the internet. Listen before it's illegal.